Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Dishon from SAP Field Glass, and we're going to be learning all about SAP Field Glass. So I'm really excited. I worked with Field Glass 180 years ago, and I'm sure things have changed uh, since then. So I'm actually looking forward to both the update and also to kind of get to talk to Vish about what they're doing now as well. So without any further ado, Vish, would you do us a favor, the audience a favor, and introduce yourself and SAP Field Glass. Okay, uh, thank you, William, for having me on this uh, call. Um, my background is I have uh, uh, engineering and a master's degree in engineering from India. Uh, and it was interestingly in mechanical engineering, bachelor's and in the master's, I sort of went into computer aided design. So that's my first foray into computers. And this is way back in the early mid eighties. Um, and then, so I got into uh, the computer side of the house with uh, my first job in India, which was writing some software for IBM. So picked up things uh, on there. And then uh, that led one thing led to another. I was on the system side more, but then found it more attractive to be dealing with applications. So that's where I went. And uh, to cut a long story short, did a number of uh, uh, changes, uh, which gave me exposure to what consulting really is and uh, contract labor is. I was both a consultant. I sat on these, obviously was represented by a supplier. So I understand, understood that part. And then uh, last but not least, also got to be on the buy side of things and how customers procured uh, contract labor. Uh, along the way, made some connections and uh, met up with the founder of uh, Field Glass back in 99 when he, when Jay had just recorded, mm-hmm. registered the company. I knew him, so he asked me to come in and run engineering for him. So I showed up. I live, just live in Atlanta. I switched and moved to Chicago in 2000 and was employee two. There was uh, me uh, and then Sean Chow, who was mm-hmm. ahead of me, and then Jay. And of course, we had a, uh, from the sales side, we had Chris Mortensen. But from the engineering side, it was Sean and me. Started writing uh, Field Glass as a product back then and without knowing what it was going to be called, we, we made it uh, uh, always started up as a cloud product, software as a service, didn't even have the term back then, software as a service, but that's what we did. And over the years, uh, it's progressed really well uh, uh, up till 2014 when we were acquired by SAP. And then we have entered into more opportunities and more uh, interesting avenues that as uh, a standalone field class, we really did not have access to. So that's the journey which has led to some of the things we'll discuss on what we do now and what I see as emerging uh, new markets for us. Well, it's, it's, it was a great fit. The acquisition made it a lot of sense at the time, still does, because uh, it was the best of breed product in that category. Uh, I think y'all went up against you know, IQ Navigator, Beeline, or some of those other players, but y'all were the best in class. This is just a great fit for SAP for their customers as well. Uh, and also for y'all's customers. So it's just a good fit. We've 
Um, for folks that probably don't know the category as well as maybe they should, um, what category, you know, back then we would call it VMS, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure things have, have changed a bit, but what, what category of software do you kind of, you know, put field glass in right now? So, yeah, we were, uh, for whatever reason, we were called VMS or vendor management uh, solutions. Um, it, it wasn't more about managing the vendor, but it was more about, I, the way I like to think of it is a company ha needs to get work done by primarily two sets of uh, uh, people, human labor, right? One is the employees and everything else that is the non-employee pool. And within the non-employee, there are obviously variants such as contingent workers or temp temporarily you augment or you bring in people that are either backfilling somebody out on some kind of a leave of absence or you have a, a short burst of something that you need that you don't want to bring in a, a permanent worker, but you bring in somebody to get the work done or it's specialized and you get that done. And the other category is when you have uh, what I call the outsource services or project-based work where you engage with a supplier to deliver some project or what it could be a project, it could be anything that is done by the supplier completely and is usually delivered as an outcome. You, are, you ask them to complete something and you pay them on it. So I like to think of it as managing the non-employee requisition to payment uh, work that a company does Unfortunately, there is no good term that I've seen being right. used. We've seen contingent, we have seen external workforce, right. we have seen external workforce and procurement, we've seen freelancers. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a wide variety, but hopefully the context gives uh, some meaning to what we do. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a way for you know HR and recruiters to interact with full time, maybe part time, and even seasonal talent. I think they conceptually have, have gotten that. And for years, they, they understand that it's the way people want to work now and the way that work needs to get done has changed. And so how do you manage that? And I think all the way to also how you manage staffing firms. So if you've, if you've historically rolled up staffing firms and said, okay, I want the staffing firm to go and hire this group of people in this staffing firm, well, you need a way to manage that. Uh, because you've got a bunch of outflow and again, based on that spend, but also based on the, the requirements and the jobs and, and uh, people starting, you need to be able to manage all of that stuff. And a great, a great, a great solution like y'all's is also tied to other uh, solutions that's tied internally to other HR, you know, function. That's, that's kind of why it also makes sense for SAP because it can be tied to payroll and benefits if it needs to be at least payroll or, or procurement, if it needs to be tied to there, it can be tied to that. So I, I think from a workflow perspective, you know, having a solution like this, it makes sense. I think the, for the, for the audience, I think building a use case or a business case at what point, you know, because you've been doing this for a long time, you've, you've interacted with these companies in a lot of ways for a long period of time. At what point do they, do they need a solution like this? Primarily, I think you need to have enough volume for this to become a, mm. an issue. Uh, it, so it's kind of out of the box, the small and mid-sized businesses, it's a difficult upsell because it's a right. fairly large, robust product that takes 
quite a bit of uh, doing and introducing all kinds of changes. So the volume needs to be something big enough when you're managing lots of contractors and service providers that it makes sense to bring some tool like us in. Uh, that's, I want at the high, highest level to say that. And the next thing that primarily that we see happening is there has to be some, some external impetus for a customer to really consider this. And this could come in some unfortunate ways as well. And I remember distinctly, uh, one of the reasons we saw a big boom was uh, at, after 9-11. And the simple question of who did I have at this location uh, when something went wrong was, right, is a very difficult question for many companies to answer if they did not have a tool like ours. It is because their employees are well-tracked, you know, who is at right. which location. And non-employees are usually managed on spreadsheets or someone somewhere else. So it's not an easy thing for a company to figure out where that is. Or that's, a, that's one incident. There may be other ones where somebody ends up uh, suing the company for a full-time job because they have spent a lot of time at the company uh, and want now to be treated as an employee and get all the benefits as an employee. Those are the unfortunate ones. Uh, but then there are other areas where HR gets a little more involved. Primarily, this has been in the early days, the early days, been treated as a procurement problem. Right. But then HR has to get involved because they might see that why are we spending so much on mm -hmm. external workforce for a specific skill? Is there something that our company needs that is not being planned from a future upskilling or upskilling the existing workforce? And so they need to know what's going on. Why are we hiring so many of these uh, contractors who are doing something that maybe uh, better for us to hold on to the IP that they're working on internally, right? So, and HR gets involved there. So I would say it's primarily those kind of factors when uh, either there's an interest from within or there's an external impetus, uh, like I talked about. And then of course, when there's a downturn in the economy, then when you have to right-size the company, work still needs to get done. So maybe there is a, there's a right sizing of the employee base, but some, somewhere you want to continue some pieces of work. So consultants and third party comes in. If the economy starts turning around, then you really don't want to just jump into hiring employees right away. You might want to dabble in external workforce for a bit, see how things hold up, and then maybe go into your uh, um, planning on how, what employees to add. So those are the things that I believe will push a company into saying, I, I need the visibility and the tracking and the management of who we have and how do we use that to then make some of our strategic decisions. I really love that you brought skills into this because mm -hmm. it's thinking about skills from an HR and recruiting perspective and saying in this particular skills area, we're, we, have a, we have a deficit internally. Um, it's too hard to find a uh, full-time uh, there's, there's scarcity there, but we can go about this and, uh, and we can, we can, we can bring these skills to bear, but we have to think about it differently. Uh, again, you probably won't remember this, but I, when we worked together uh, at field glass, there was a concept that we created called talent portfolio management is again, 180 years ago, but <laughs> uh, ironic, but we're, we're talking about it now in so far as, you know, HR leaders, uh, chief people officers, and and, uh, and even talent acquisition leaders looking at talent like a portfolio of stock. 
mm-hmm. and thinking of it in those ways, not just full-time, part-time, et cetera, but thinking about, okay, we've, we've got interns, we've got gig workers, we've got offshore, you know, near shore, we've got in-source, we've got all kinds of different things, but mm-hmm. there's a better way of managing all that. And I like that you brought in, yeah, you can see some of the, some of the reasons that you want to manage this could have negative. There's a reason that you want to manage it, but uh, and I'm glad you brought those both of those examples up. I like that there also is just a visionary way of looking at talent and saying, you know, let's just break talent down into skills and think about the skills that you need. You need certain skills to bring to bear. How do you bring them to bear? Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I, I like that because it also is leads into something that we we try to work with, which is not only do you have to know where do, in my company as a planning manager, as a portfolio manager, as a project manager, where can I get this work done, right? Where mm-hmm. do I have these skills? And now maybe that is a little less relevant now in the IT and those kind of things, but we also deal with, uh, let's say, uh, manufacturing, plant maintenance, etc. right? So people and where they are based or which country they're based, which location they're based, uh, what is their time zone they can be available. All of those are very interesting factors that help somebody plan how to get something done, how to get your work done is become relevant. So you need the skills to say, where can I find the skill? And then does that really work for me? Is it uh, in a zone that I can leverage for something? Which leads to I would say uh, a value add to the customers in terms of saving. So one of the things we set out to do as we got more and more data into the system was uh, the following, like if a manager, let's take for a simplicity, let's take an IT project manager trying to get something done. And let's for argument's sake, say they have a company and they have two big locations in the US and one is in uh, the Valley in San Francisco and maybe they have something going on in Atlanta as an example. As the manager tries to get something created, the recommendation that you may have, uh, let's say the manager is based in uh, California and primarily their initial reaction is to say, hey, I wish to be close to my team, so I'm gonna put it in San Francisco. But as they create it, the ability to recommend that the same skill set is available through uh, other vendors and maybe even your internal employees, Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, which might be a cost saving and not only a cost saving, but it's also available at an uh, earlier time to fill than in California. Oh, wow. And so th- those to me is what makes this exciting because you can leverage the data, you can leverage the supplier uh, ability to share what they're going through, leverage the historical previous three months, what's it look like, etc., to make recommendations to the manager which without a solution like this, even even though it's within their own company, they would have no access to. So being able to pull that and push that upfront as they're creating the requisition to say, have you thought about this? It's not a, it's by no means a forced decision, but a suggestion to say, have you considered this? Which is to me, what makes this really appealing and where we hope to add more and more value using such examples yeah it's what's beautiful is it's it's you know sur- <laughs> surplus and scarcity right so it's right. it's basically but it's it's allowing you know ta and hr to then make <laughs> data-driven decisions so instead of just making those decisions blindly you know i want to i want to be san francisco i want to be you know nearish to the office etc 
now they can look into something. They can serve up recommendations based on the skills that they need and say, hey, there's five different ways you can solve this. And all of them, you know, there's pros and cons to all of them, but, you know, now you have options. Well, yeah. as a leader, you, <laughs> you've just made my life a lot easier, right. uh, but also it's based in data, which is, again, I think is just smart. Um, I know listeners will eventually ask at one point, uh, because you were acquired by SAP, obviously you're fully integrated with SAP. Um, do you do you only work with SAP clients, or can Field Glass be bespoke, or or be or can it work independently with uh, folks that aren't in the SAP family? No, I think we we want to work and we build it in a way. The product has been built in a, such a way that. Uh, we know we are not uh, alone out there. We have an ecosystem we have to connect to. We have to generally connect to a procurement solution, generally to a HR solution, and of course to a finance and payment solution, right? So what we have done is right from the get-go, we were very open. Uh, and fortunately we built our solution in such a way that we have a large number of robust APIs that we can tap into anywhere. The difference with SAP might be that they are probably better productized and can integrate cleanly without uh, too much effort into our sister companies, uh, Ariba, S4 Procurement, and SuccessFactors. And of course, from there on into S4. So that those are things that we get a little better with SAP, but that's right. by no means that we cannot connect. And I, I don't have the exact stats now, but I know we are at least 40% non-SAP uh, ERP customers. Yeah. Well, it makes, obviously, if you're an SAP customer, it makes sense. Like this is just, you just turn it on and let's, let's get this moving. But if you're a non-SAP client, you can, you can look at Fieldglass as a solution. Uh, to to this and again uh, independently you can look at this I love it um, what's your favorite function you know the functionality right now what's 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 tracking for you uh, in terms of like things that you just really really you know when you look at field glass because you've you know you've, you've been there a while so you've seen a lot of functionality come and go yeah. uh, but what do you love what are you in love with right now uh, I will maybe if I can talk about two things one is completely internal to Fieldglass and one that is shared with uh, uh, with other sister companies we have. So the first one is, um, as you may know, or your listeners may or may not know, is um, we have primarily two large modules that make up Fieldglass. One we call the contingent worker, which is where you bring in somebody for uh, specific skills for a specific period, and you are expecting them to work on that specific uh, project or work that you want to bring them in. And then we have something called the services uh, or statement of work module, which is where you engage with a vendor to get a piece of work done. And they may behind it use a large number of people to deliver the work. Those were our two primary modules. Now, both of these come with a fair amount of rigidity, which is very much required because there is a contract, there's a um, work order where you agree to terms and conditions, the scope of the work is clearly defined and so on, right? And so the it's very uh, structured uh, and somewhat rigid. Within SAP, we, uh, after we were here in for a year or two, we discovered that there is a third kind, which is especially prevalent in large uh, energy and extraction companies and maybe in some utilities and manufacturing companies where 
the procurement or the sourcing of the individual is not as critical as having somebody available and being able to assign them quickly to different work, hmm. which means that in the same week or it may sometimes even the same day, an individual may be asked to work on completely different projects, reporting into completely different uh, managers or supervisors from the company. And in the, in an extreme case, they're sometimes even paid differently based on what they do. So you might have a skilled tradesman that can do a couple or maybe two or three different things. They may be asked to do welding in the morning and in the afternoon they're doing something else, which is not welding. So even the way they are paid and the way the customer is charged could vary. This calls for immense flexibility which is uh, saying, how do I have a resource that I need not go through uh, uh, recruiting uh, exercise? They're available from a particular vendor at a particular plant or location. And I, as the customer manager, can simply take from this pool and get this piece of work done and get that piece of work done very flexibly. As you can imagine, this creates immense issues because uh, how does uh, the company and the supplier keep track of what all the individual has been doing? So we went sort of, uh, we learned about this and about two years ago, we started the journey of creating something we now call the assignment management, where there's a resource and as job or work orders come in, be able to pick from a pool and assign work. And that assignment of work can be done either by the customer or by the vendor. The individual no longer books time into a predefined purchase order, which is the case with the other two modules. Instead, we create something called a time journal. So they can log what they did in the morning, afternoon, whatever it is during the week. And then at the back end of it, we can then split that work out to the appropriate cost centers uh, or appropriate POs that may be generated after the work is complete. So it kind of gives the massive flexibility and we are down that path uh, quite a bit. And this is exciting because it is uh, making it really simple uh, in these situations where this kind of flexibility is much much required. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's also going to make a lot of accountants very happy because if you're doing activity-based count, uh, you know, mm-hmm. costing, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to charge that back to you know, whomever or whatever. So on one level, right. you want to know what people are doing. So you want some visibility and insight into activities, which is great. There's, there's, a, there's a need for that. But the cost side of it, uh, which is where the, you know, the accountants and finance play, they, mm-hmm. they want to know who to charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I can see yeah. it being very exciting for them. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, it solves a multitude of problems and it makes using our product much simpler. In the absence of that, you have to create uh, new requisitions, new work orders, new uh, POs and all kinds of things, which they can now sort of back into. Right. Uh, and I love that law firms could probably use that as well for clients if they if they ever go down that route because they need to yeah. do the same type of costing. Yeah, funny you ask for that because uh, there's a few we run something called like it used to be called an executive advisory board, uh, but uh, now now we have Compass, which is uh, our equivalent of talking to our big uh, customer CPOs and getting some ideas and. In the last one we ran, they now said, when are you going to start looking at legal stuff? (laughs) Uh, Today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
sorry, I had one more, which I said, uh, which is like cross sister companies, and that is about the combined analytics. So we are categorizing ourselves as a spend management solution. So we are trying to say spend can come in the form of external labor, can come in terms of expense and travel. And of course, what Ariba does well, materials and MRO kind of thing, right? So we are now uh, coming together to offer analytics that are aggregated at this level. And you can, no matter where you spend, you can spend, you can do reporting by supplier, by cost center, by IO codes, or whatever you need, uh, and that excites me because that is finally bringing the power of all these modules together. That's right, and procurement especially loves that because then they can do an apples to apples comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say for staffing firms, if you know you got a staffing firm that's charging you X, you got another one charging you Y, you can you can start to kind of look at at why that's happening. And some of it might be legit and some of it might just be you didn't have visibility insight into it before. So uh, I love both those. Um, last last thing before we go out, and, and you've got probably a, a, a million of these to pull from, but just a customer story, anonymized, of course, mm-hmm. um, where they've just done something really, really, really innovative uh, with, with SAP at Field Glass that you just kind of go, wow. Hmm. I, I hadn't thought of that. Glad they did that. Now, I mean, now, now we're probably going to roll that out to all of our customers. <laughs> okay, I have, a, I have a great, great uh, example here. So, um, uh, in the mining industry, of course, saying without naming the customer, in the mining industry, there has been research done and from studies and statistically, it's proven that about 72 to 75 percent of the incidents that occur, safety and health related happen because of external labor because a they're not uh, trained to be on the job doing what they're doing and these are highly highly high risk jobs dealing with dynamite or dealing right. with heavy equipment and all that <clears throat> so uh, what what became quite interesting is the leveraging of an onboarding of what company employee may go through for these uh, critical positions and when you bring in a third party how do you get the same level of onboarding expertise and the training and the certification. So the companies are looking to leverage APIs from field glass, APIs from success factors, APIs into learning management solutions and saying as this individual comes in as, as a worker, let's see which role they are in, what do we expect the uh, employee to do, let, them, let us put them to the same level of training. So a- ability to track uh, how they're coming in and be able to do. It's really fascinating to leverage uh, components from across uh, um, SAP products and bring getting the training for these individuals to, with a goal of minimizing these incidents. Uh, I find is really, really valuable because these are truly life-threatening kind of right. situations. And if you can leverage uh, a software like ours, which I never dreamt would be saving lives or helping save lives, uh, bringing that together is, is really something that is mind-boggling and exciting to see come I, I love that. The last time I was in Singapore, I looked at a product that was for mining, actually, mm-hmm. um, and it was a, a breathalyzer tied to facial recognition, tied to mm. time and attendance. Mm. So before someone could... Enter. Yeah. Right. Before they, mm-hmm. could, before they could enter, they had to breathe into a tube, mm-hmm. and it looked at their face. Mm-hmm. And and then it clocked them in if if there were 
right? So it's like yeah. you, th- you don't even think about these things with, with yeah. knowledge workers. Like we probably exactly. should, we should. <laughs> <Yes>. but, <laughs> but we don't, but, but, you know, with forklift drivers or mining and, and yeah. some of those things where safety is so critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. What a great, what a great example. Um, Vish, we could obviously talk forever. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on the use case podcast and, uh, and explaining kind of what's going on with SAP fuel glass, but also, giving the audience a little bit of an update as well. Thank you very much, William. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.